Hi, and welcome to this latest episode of Sebad Pod. I'm Simon Mabin, and today I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, colleague, co-director, Eddie Wasnich. We're here today to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in Sebad over the past year and to maybe set up some of the things that we're excited about in the coming year ahead. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Happy New Year, I guess I should say, even though it is almost the end of January, but... um, Given that this is a year in review pod, it seems appropriate to say Happy New Year and Happy End of 2023. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on, as always. Happy New Year to you and to all of our dear listeners. Uh, and thank you for also elevating me to a co-host. I had no idea. Well, <laughs> now, now, now I'm going to have to do some podcasts. Right? I thought I'd got away with it for the last few years, but damn, okay. <laughs> well, it sort of came out, but it, it, it felt right yeah. as I was saying it. Okay, all right, something else to list then. (laughs) Yeah, it's on the CV now, right? Yeah, 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 nice. (laughs) Given you've been on this um, this podcast more than anyone else, I think it's only fair to to give you that moniker of of co-host. If anyone should have it, it should be you. Thanks, thanks. I I hope people aren't getting too bored of my appearances. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Um, Eddie, let's uh, let's go back in time. It's been a bit of a a, a busy year for Sepad and a, a busy year for for the folks broadly associated mm. with what we're doing and for for everything that's going on in the region. Um, what are your your sort of key fond memories of the past year of the things that we've been doing? It seems like a long time ago, the start of twenty twenty three, and yet yeah, it's not that long ago at all. No, no, no. I was just looking back and, and thinking about some of the stuff and, you know, busy as ever. Um, you know, I think for me, some of the workshops we were fortunate enough to host and take part in were, were really great, really um, real highlights. And uh, as always, just the output from, you know, that we've kind of collectively done under the banner of SEPAD, but obviously the, the, the broader output of all our fellows, which is, is you know, hugely impressive as always and, and, and should always be lauded. But yeah, I think, you know, some of the uh, reports that came out early in the year, um, your own book, of course, you know, which came out earlier this year. Let's not forget that. So some Goodness, some, yeah. some big highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that. <laughs> Get a plug in there. That. I had forgotten that. So <laughs> thank you for reminding me. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, some, some, some great things. But I think, yeah, the workshops and, and, and the reports and, and, and outputs have you know, been, been really good and really positive so far. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to the start of, of 2023, or at least the early months of it, mm. because whilst it may seem like a, sort of a relatively bleak time right now in global politics, and particularly in light of everything that's happening in the region. There was a, a, a breakthrough moment in March 2023 with the uh, the normalization agreement between the, the Saudis and the Iranians. And that coincidentally came out, oh, that, that agreement happened just about the same time as my book came out, which is, I mean, it's stars aligning really, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's something that, that was really exciting for for many of us with friends in in both places and with friends across the region who'd been adversely affected by by tensions. But it's also something that we've been working on as a topic, as a um, as an area of, of scholarly inquiry ever since we we set up Sepad all those years ago. Um, mm. So that was a, a bit of a sort of highlight from the news of the region but also it sort of it matches the, the 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 book i guess my cambridge book the struggle for supremacy which 
is about the only thing that I think I should say about the book because I feel very uncomfortable with self-promotion. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll happily laud you for the book because I think it's, it's an excellent work and, you know, yeah, serendipitous in terms of its, its timing. But, um, yeah, perhaps we can, we can uh, discuss the book in a separate podcast if you want, if you feel that uncomfortable. But, I, you know, I, I think congratulations on getting that out with, with, with Cambridge. I think it's an excellent work. And, I mean, yeah, the broader point about that news coming when it did, I, I think it, you know, it was a very positive development overall you know you had, there was a couple of great little podcasts you did with our fellows um on on that very topic which which were, were great listening um yeah and i just think yeah it was, it was positive i mean we'd, we'd only just had our book come out uh, i think at the back end of, of 2022 on on saudi arabia and iran as you said that was a, a common thread uh through a lot of our early work and, and still obviously crops crops up in a lot of what we do um but um very positive development and yeah um I was pleased to see that taking shape, and you know, even in the in, in the very bleak picture that we see now, in light of ongoing events, you know, we still have um, some positive repercussions of that rapprochement happening. You know, which um, I think will continue to remain relevant in terms of having a further channel, you know, for communication with Iran and, and vice versa. So I think, yeah, um, a, a very positive moment, and yeah, one one that you know we did well to reflect on um but yeah it's always going to be prominent in, in a lot of what we do isn't it yeah i think so just by by virtue of of what's at stake and the way that the politics is is indeed ordered and the sort of the yeah. play of the the material the ideational and all of those fun things that that we we tease out a little bit in our edited collection which is uh available open access of course there's a little uh, a little plug for that uh but <laughs> But that is a very, um, very smooth segue into some of the other cool things that came out of Manchester University Press and our, our book series, perhaps, mm. um, because there were a number of, of books that came out last year. Um, I've, I've got the, the web page up now. We had a wonderful paperback uh, version of Mariam Salehi's Transitional Justice in Process, Plans and Politics Indeed, of Tunisia. Yeah. Um, we've got Robert Mason, Saudi Arabia and the UAE, Foreign Policy and Strategic mm-hmm. Alliances in an Uncertain World. And this is perhaps coming into 2024, but it's worth mentioning because the cover is absolutely spectacular. Cinzia Bianco's The Gulf Monarchies After the Arab Spring, Threats and Security. Purple and gold yeah. on the cover. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just again, shout out to the designers at MUP that they've <laughs> yes. used for, for our artwork for this series because uh, I'm just looking at them on my shelf, all of them together. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Chinzia's. Obviously, we've had the uh, uh, you know, pleasure of, of looking at that before it was published, but um, I just want to see it next to the others in all its purple and gold glory because it's yeah, it looks great and it's a really, really good work. So um, yeah, definitely yeah, exactly. get out and buy that. And yeah. a teaser for, for things coming. There's a lot of really exciting projects in the pipeline there. So, um, so do keep an eye out for, for some of those monographs. And if you've got an idea for something, do drop us a line, either myself, Eddie, or May Darwish, who's our other series editor. Um, and yeah, we're always happy to explore new and innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. So that's the monograph stuff. Um taken care of, I guess, Eddie. Um, you, you touched on podcasts, though. What were those podcasts that we did? They were the Saudi-Iran um, voices from the region, some of the first podcasts bringing together Saudis and Iranians to discuss 
their shared um, aspects of history and politics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I remember you had, you had uh, you know, our good friends and fellows. You had Aziz and he had on there, I think, Banasha as well, um, some others. So, um, you know, there were just, just, you know, we like to do this. It's, it's good to be responsive to stuff that as and when it happens, um, you know, um, to, to make use of the expertise that we have amongst our ranks, really. We know we're really fortunate to, to work with, with scholars who work at that interface of kind of academia and, and, and sort of policy-relevant stuff as well. So, um yeah, it was good to be live to those events as as, as they took place. Um, yeah, and they were some of the first that had uh, that had happened on that topic, bringing together people in the nature that they did, which was one of the real highlights for me that we were able to do that and and hear people sort of coming together with the things that were were really driving the concerns of, of people in Riyadh and Tehran and and beyond. Mm-hmm. But also the the many shared visions for for the future in in both yeah. states and across the region. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, and it was good to have that that focus on the viewers from you know the respective capitals because I think sometimes there's a you know certainly sat here in the West you know there's a certain degree of extrapolation that happens and um, you know putting putting a slant on it that's obviously relevant for Western. Uh, policy audiences and academics and stuff, but you know, to have to have that insight is is, is real you know, privilege access that we we have and that we can uh, articulate through our outputs and, and and our scholars. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, we are very very lucky to have a, a a wonderful collection of of people to work with, people who are really at the cutting edge of of their fields and their disciplines and pushing pushing scholarship in important and innovative directions. So that yeah. has been another real highlight. It is, it is, and and like you know, just you know, it, it, this is a, just a broader point about what we're doing, and it, people listening will have to f- forgive us for for sort of sounding too self congratulatory here. But you know, um, I think it's one of the strengths of, of this collective, I suppose, that we have um, in, in that you know it, it enables us to sort of cross lots of different boundaries, um, you know, policy, academic, conceptual, theoretical, empirical, you know, um, and, and bring people together in, in new and exciting ways, you know, and I think that's something that, that, that happens with a lot of the reports that, you know, we that have been coming out, um, you know, which I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, you know, um, certainly at the start of the year, you know, you had um, the things like the desectarianization and the end of sectarianization report that came out that you and Ibrahim and, and Ruba worked on which I thought was you know, excellent. That just sort of proves, you know, when you're starting to bring people together on a common sort of issue or whatever, but from different perspectives, be that empirical perspectives or, you know, as I say, conceptual theoretical perspectives, then I think that's where you see the real benefit of having this, you know, broad collective of people working on broadly, you know, similar similar aspects of, of regional politics, you know. So, um, yeah, some, some of the outputs I think have been great in that regard. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a testament to the, the people that we're working with, I guess, who are creative, yeah. who are incredibly smart and really doing wonderful things, driven by a, a common sense of, of human decency and respect. Yeah. Which is yeah. wonderful. But anyway, let's... Um, we're very lucky. <laughs> let's go and have a look at some of those things in, um, in a bit of detail with the, the reports mm. that we had, because we had... We had I I've, I've got three main reports across the year with a couple of 
survey pieces that we'll touch on in a little bit. We had yeah. the the desectarianization and the end of sectarianism question mark, mm. which was this wonderful thing that Ruba and Ibrahim did um, with a little bit of, of input from me, reflecting on on their respective lines of inquiry on Iraq and 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 Lebanon, and I added something different on Bahrain, and it was it was wonderful, a real chance to to have a deep dive into some of the the things that were were playing out within this broad or under the broad umbrella of desectarianization, but related to protest, related to the twenty nineteen protests, twenty eleven protests in Bahrain, and how we understand this rejection of, of sect based identities and, and politics that was organized around those sect based identities, which I thought was a really interesting approach that um that Ibrahim and Ruba talk in particular. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was an excellent report. I mean, yeah, the the fact that it, it, it gave that comparative slant, which is, you know, always fascinating, you know, there's some important commonalities there as well. But I think, you know, it it takes the this burgeoning field of, of desectarianization or studies into what desectarianization is, and we know that's obviously a a new a newish term and it's you know part of sort of our core mission to sort of understand this and, and pick it apart and you know it, it can take many different forms but um i think you know those those kind of overarching findings that come from the report that you know that there's different forms it can take there's you know state-led or you know kind of or more kind of bottom-up um processes as well you know um i think is is, is really you know it's really enlightening and um yeah i, I think just refute some of those narratives that we often see still <laughs> i mean you know you, you think you, you, you've got past you know a lot of the sort of um um sectarian interpretations of of broader regional politics but you know it remains an important factor of um you know within within the analyses um you know and, and i think this this um adds a lot to those debates as well and problematizes a lot of the sort of underlying assumptions that Still shape a lot of the discourse coming out about looking at difference in in these you know particular cases. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really important that we continue to do that. I had the, um, but I had, I'm trying to think of the right the right word here. I looked at foreign affairs this morning, <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. going to add in an adjective there, but um, I looked at foreign affairs <laughs> and saw some of this. Uh, sort of lazy pseudo primordialist stuff once yeah. again being reproduced, which is really frustrating given the amazing work that so many people are doing. Um, yeah, but it also highlights the need for people to keep on doing it. And maybe this yeah. is where um, some of the work of, of people like um, the two Javiers, for instance, two really wonderful early career scholars, kind of sheds new and innovative light on how to how to look at these questions in ways that move beyond the sort of centralizing primordialist accounts. So we had these two wonderful reports by Javier Guirado, um, which we'll talk about now, um, which is on the political economy of infrastructure. And this was a fascinating way of of getting at politics and getting at political, social, economic identity-based issues um, and the way in which those factors shape shape life, really. I yeah. thought it was a fascinating um, report, brought, uh, bringing really, really interesting and diverse people together. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. You know, another really output, you know, the, the Javier should be hugely pleased with that. And I, and I think, um, that there's a lot of potential there to explore that further. And, and, you know, I think, I think sometimes people think with, uh, infrastructure type stuff, it might end up being coming quite dry. You know, you're just talking about, you know, trade or, uh, routes or, or port infrastructure or urban planning, you know, issues. But I mean, it, it brings so much of that to life in, in really new and innovative ways. Um, and, and, you know, in a really interesting, you know, the, you know, broad collection of cases, um, uh, from, from across the region, you know, so I think it, it, was, it was great and it's good to see that develop. And hopefully that'll be taken further as well, because I think, um, there's, there's a lot of potential there to, to explore that intersection of these. Yeah. more practical concerns with those sort of identitarian or identity-based issues. Um, you know, so at that sort of intersection of those two, I think there's, there's a lot of um, important yeah. work that can be done. I think so. I mean, there's there's this really fascinating contributions there from Shari Plonsky and Dean Sharp in particular, who look at uh, railways yeah. and reconstruction, and it's just fascinating. Just really, yeah. really interesting ways of getting at important political questions. So... Kudos yeah. to, to Javi for doing that. And um, yeah. Javi Bordon as well. Uh, another I know, all the Javi is doing all the great work. Amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and his, his report titled Spatializing Securitization in the Middle East, which is another way of looking at some of the, the lines of division that have been um, sort of manifesting across the region. And the ways in which those lines of division sort of play out across time and space and using some really cool ideas to, uh, yeah, critically reflect on on those lines of difference using theory, using social theory, using space. And, uh, yeah. yeah, great job, Javi. Excellent. Again, you know, and again, touching on, on, on some, some common issues with, 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 with the previous one, you know, around sort of urban infrastructure and... and, and reconstruction and things like that i mean there's just there's there's a huge amount there um so anyone you know listen please dive into these they're all completely free open access um uh you know great scholars in there um you know got your own running um you know uh, other people who've recently joined the fold people like um gabrielle and and many many others you know um really really rich um yeah type of work we had a really interesting set of discussions during that workshop on on Bourdieu, so we got to get our, our theory on, which was really fun and a, a, a good chance to navel gaze a little bit whilst doing really interesting work. So, yeah, that was great and a, a great job to have you. That is hopefully going to be turned into a, a special issue in the not-too-distant future, so it's yeah something to, to keep a lookout for. But yeah, um, that, I think, can segue us into a discussion of some of the workshops that we had because we had some really interesting sets of discussions over the course of the year. Um, there was there's Javi's, which was I believe at the back end of 2022, mm. but the report came out last year. We had a really fun two days at Lancaster Castle, which I really really enjoyed. With a the first day of a two-day workshop on sovereignty and the state and how many of the things that we look at in SEPAD are conditioned by and shape these ideas of sovereignty and statehood. Um, the first day of which was 
a non-workshop where we tried to have it as organic as, as possible. And then the second day was far more structured. But it was a really rich set of discussions around the concept of sovereignty and the state and their application. And that's that's coming out in the very near future as a, as a report and possibly something else as well. So a huge thanks to Andrea Tetti for, for his efforts um, getting that published with an ISSN number uh, through his his affiliation. So thank you, Andrea. But yeah, really interesting sets of discussions around sovereignty there. Yeah, they're great. And, and just to say, I mean, yeah, you, you, people get to read the output soon. I think I've, some of them have possibly already they come out indeed, as little yeah. block pieces. Yeah, so you can see some of the individual contributions to that workshop. I mean, I, I was very fortunate to been in attendance i have to say the first day especially is my first time i'd ever taken part in a non-workshop but um i would say anyone who's listening and wants to find out more about that ask simon because he organized it excellently but it was it was great it was just really loose and informal and you know i'm, I'm someone just to uh hold my hands up i don't always flourish in in workshop or conference settings because you know they can be quite overwhelming you know it's especially if you you know um not necessarily feeling on top form um, in terms of your research or just in general, but that was such a nice way of just kind of breaking down the barriers and um, yeah, doing something really interesting. I remember you asked us like first question was like, what book on the region or what, you know, big work on the region do you wish you'd written or, you know, and, and like things like that. And we were, we were talking about a lot of these concepts in relation to completely different cases, you know, we were split into these little working groups and I was on, on the table, we ended up, you know, having a, 20 minute discussion on on sovereignty and antarctica you know stuff like that so it was really nice to kind of broaden our horizons and then kind of uh, just completely deconstruct everything and then come back on the second day to to our more sort of familiar territory of our own research so yeah it was was, was an excellent way to organize things i think it's a really interesting way of of doing it just to unsettle some of the quote-unquote settled concepts that we have and yeah. if we can't unsettle a concept always, unsettling us and our approach to those concepts can be quite a useful thing. Um, mm. It's yeah. a bit of fun anyway, if nothing else. But it, well, it was. That that was nice. It was really nice to do that. You know, great setting as well. It <laughs> can't be in being castle. in a castle yes. doing that kind of exactly. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Eddie, what other workshops did we do then? You'll have to forgive me if I'm a little uh, sleep deprived yeah, and my memory no. is escaping me. That's all right, mate. No, well, we, so we, we had, you know, that, that one in March. Um, we did have a, an online um, workshop on, on e- the influence of external powers in the region as well, which has some stellar contributions from, from the likes of Anustesh Chashami and, um, and and many others, um, which uh, we had some small kind of blog posts come out from that uh, as, yes, as well. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, work that looked at the role of China, which Anoush did. Uh, we had uh, another piece uh, on, on, on well, one on Russia, one on... Uh, India as well, uh, and also on the European Union, just sort of in terms of their um, influences on the region um, and, and exploring some some sort of common issues there. So that was great. We did that with with our good friend and colleague uh, Francesco Belcastro. Um, so we had that. Uh, that was around March, um, and then we also well we had our another online thing, which was um, with Qatar University on electoral politics in the region, in the Middle East and North Africa. That started off as an online uh, workshop in the summer, and, and then we were very fortunate uh, to do an in-person 
uh, version of that workshop. We've selected papers from it uh, in at Qatar University with our good friend Luciano Sakara um, in November, and I was fortunate enough to go and take part in that. Um, so that was uh, really, really great, and and that will hopefully be uh, we're collecting the papers there for a, for a special edition soon, and uh, we're going to have some short versions of that. Will hopefully be coming out in the um, American Political Science Association's um, uh, Middle East newsletter um, in the coming months as well. Some sort of short versions of those papers too. So yeah, that was that was really great. Um, and and you know th- this is something really that I think a lot of, a lot of this way of doing things, starting to have these online ones and then going on to the in person ones. It's you know it's a sort of result of COVID, isn't it? The, the yeah, world that we found so. ourselves in, and, and we did. Uh, I think I don't pat ourselves on the back too much, but we did very well to sort of retain that sense of community and, and and everything during that period. And you know we still have all our work in progress sessions online and everything. And you know that that format of of doing things in a kind of online sense first, and then and then kind of narrowing things down in, for an in person event works really well. Um, so yeah, that 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 was a real uh, highlight. Um, and then of course you know we it ended on a on a real high at the end of the year with with our conference. Um, Organised by our brilliant postdoctoral research associate Wilbur Ali Al Hassani, and that was um, on identities in motion, yes. um, which was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was lots of fun and great to great to finally meet some people that, that I'd been engaging with online for for many years yeah. in the flesh, which was wonderful. And a huge thank you to, to Ruba for all her hard work, to Javi for helping her. And for for those yeah. who were able to to come and join us and made lots of new friends and rekindled old friendships and yeah it was wonderful. Lots it was of brilliant. And, and I have to say as a you know as as a conference organizer she was yeah first class. But also as a, as a theme you know we had this idea of identities in motion. All the papers really I think spoke to each other in, in so many different ways. We had a couple of roundtables. We had a couple of book launches. I mean it was it was a program but it was quite small it was nice it was sort of somewhere between a workshop and a conference in the yeah, sense exactly. in terms of the number of participants but that was great you know for me I just thought it was so nice it was you know suitably intimate but not you know sort of too um, too niche either and, you know I learned a huge amount as I always do at these exactly. events so yeah thank you again Ruba yes seconded we also tried to do a little bit more public facing stuff and there was this wonderful event in London in September that you sadly missed because you got COVID <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah shame. reared its head again. It yeah, did. terrible timing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this was a, a wonderful event that that Lina Khatib and Zoas um, hosted with us and organised and uh, hosted us, I should say. And we talked a bit about the um, the surveys that that we did a few years ago. That we finally got the results analysed and got those pro- uh, produced as reports. So Eddie, thank you for all of your efforts there touch on those in a minute but um yeah it was great that that lena could could host us and um you know lots of fascinating contributions from from wonderful people there and really really rich sets of discussions around around the region and what it means to be part of a region in flux now this was this was before the the devastating events of october 7 and everything that that happened afterwards but there was a pretty bleak picture being painted by by many of the participants in that workshop as well. Um, not least captured in the in the reports that that we've been working on and the sort of the bleak political landscape this 
these lines of division that are playing out, not between different sectarian communities or different religious communities, but between um, government and opposition and rich and poor. And it was a, a pretty bleak landscape that was was really explored back in September. And I guess it's only only got worse since then. Yeah, sadly, it has, you know, and it's it's, it's something that's impacted, um, you know, our, our own colleagues and our own fellows, um, you know, directly, um, and that's pretty tragic, you know. So, I thought so with everyone um, in the occupied territories, you know, who are who are dealing with this, you know, disgraceful onslaught at the moment. But yes, um, I shan't be able to point too much. <laughs> I don't want to get cancelled <laughs> for uh, expressing my views too loudly on this. But I think anyone knows me, you know, knows uh, how I feel about, you know, what is in effect, you know, an ongoing genocide. So. Yeah, we'll uh, save that for another discussion. But um, yeah, thoughts with everyone. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, thoughts and solidarity. And um, on the on the sort of the bleakness of it all, not so much what's happening in in Gaza, um, because there are people far better qualified than us to talk about it. And yeah. um, those some of those people at least are are getting platforms to do so, and um, hopefully they're being heard. But more on the on the reports that we we produced, Eddie. You've worked tirelessly um, <laughs> with with numbers and infographics and whatnot to produce these two wonderful uh, reports on social relations after COVID nineteen in Iraq and Lebanon. So thank you, first of all. But just give us a quick sort of teaser of what people can find in there, please. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well. Yeah. I mean. I. I uh... You know, I think we we may have talked about this in in, in previous podcasts because this this has been an ongoing project, and we we commissioned these surveys back back in twenty twenty one. You know, sort of under the guise of, of uh, social relations after COVID nineteen and and how that was impacted things, but we, we were using that as a bit of a vector to explore some 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 broader issues that weren't necessarily um, COVID related as well. Um, and you know, we had two over two thousand responses in each country, so we looked at Iraq. And Lebanon as well. We have some forthcoming data on Q8, um, which is still sort of in the process of being analysed. But um, yeah, th- these uh, reports, you can see all the infographics on there. I mean, you know, for, for me, just on a personal level, I ain't a great numbers person or a stats person at all. So, you know, um, more skilled people, I'm sure, will, will, will have something to say on that. But uh, for us, it was really important just to get the key um I guess, insights from the report out there to the public. Um, and then, you know, the statisticians amongst us and the quants people amongst us can play to the date with their heart's content and, and, and find all sorts of interesting relationships. But this is just the headline figures that you get in both reports. And we split it into sort of um, main areas of like lo- lo- local and national priorities, um, then kind of social attitudes, um, uh, then political attitude and then kind of views on regional relations. So there's sort of four main main sections that the data looks at. And, and the, the big picture basically from both both Lebanon and Iraq um, is is that, you know, citizens in both countries are hugely dissatisfied with government performance, unsurprisingly. Um, you know, so that's not a you know huge surprise, but it just adds some, you know, um, weight to to those observations that many scholars have made and, and you know, and gives a uh, a bit of context to you know ongoing protest movements and, and and you know things like the 2019 protests in both countries as well. Um, what I think was one of the most compelling findings from a lot of this is that 
you know, both countries are often viewed through this sort of prism of sectarian relations, okay? And um, that's understandable because of the, you know, consociational systems they have and because of the, the nature of a lot of scholarly inquiry that's gone into these countries. But I think the respondents in, in both of the surveys, you know, really emphasize that, that, that their greatest concerns unsurprisingly, I think, is, is that, you know, is, is about issues of day-to-day survival, you know, and, and a real sense of frustration at a lack of um, government accountability. And these kind of things are seen as uh, much more important and of much greater concern than what I think is sometimes the focus of us academics on issues of sectarianism or sectarian identity, you know. So um, I think that was that was a really um, prominent thing that came out of it. Um, in the Lebanese case, you know, nationality was seen as a real you know, sense of national consciousness was seen as really strong. Um, so I think that was, um, you know, something interesting to, to ruminate upon, much, much higher than anything to do with religion or sect. So this real strong sense of um national consciousness much different to, to Iraq though you know I mean there's lots of similarities in terms of this broad frustration with with government but you know in Iraq religion was seen as a much you know more important mark of identity and, and, and a much lower sense of broader national consciousness as well and that has its own reasons we don't have to go into it there but you know they're, they're sort of some of the big sort of um, highlights I'd say or highlights or interesting things from the data that, that that we observed, um, but there's, there's a huge amount in there. We, we know we go into more granular detail about tensions between different groups in society, for example. In you know, in both cases, you know, again, sectarian issues weren't seen as a, as, as a kind of problem. It was more to do with you know, government and opposition, or, or rich and poor, you know, citizens or non-citizens, especially in, in, in you know the Lebanese case as well. So you know, these these were um, much more um, prominent than anything to do with with sort of. Um, sect issues I would say so yeah two, two quite interesting reports it's all there in bold infographic type um, and like I say others you know who are better qualified than me to, to go into the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of doing regression analysis and all that kind of stuff uh, can, you know can do that but um, yeah we just wanted to get it out there and it's a free resource for anyone who's interested in these questions and wants to explore it further yeah, thank you yeah there's loads of really interesting stuff in there so um do feel free to, to check them out, get your teeth into them, and if you want to go more into the nitty-gritty, just let us know and we can we can figure something out. Right, Eddie, have we missed anything? Have we missed anything glaringly obvious? It feels like... Wow, I'm just looking bit. through my list. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure we have. I mean, we've covered like, the big reports that route that we're really proud of, and um, you know, there's also, there's also been quite a few good little blog posts. People can go and see these. We've had nice little blogs on, on Iran, you know, um, issues there on, on the World Cup that came out earlier last year, um, all sorts, you know. So, um, you know, take, take a look at our um, little intervention section and our blog posts because you can, you can find plenty on there. Um, and, and then just the other thing, towards the end of last year, I mean, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but you had the uh, interesting experience of, of facing the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, of course, uh, oh, and yeah. putting a submission in, yes. um, you know, and I think that was, I watched you online. Oh, thank you. <laughs> watching you and Anoush and, 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 of course, our friend Christopher Phillips as well on there um, uh, being quizzed by the Select Committee. So that was great uh, because I think the three of you, you know, you all performed admirably. It was it was really good to see friendly and familiar faces. Um, I mean, you were joined on the panel by some, well, I mean, I, I won't slander anyone too much, but let's just say John Bolton was on the day before you, you know, so 
quite screwing <laughs> him. I don't know, but anyway, we shan't go any further. But yeah, I mean, how was that for you as an experience um, going up in front of the select committee and, and getting grilled by the MPs? It was interesting. Um, I mean, it was a little daunting to be honest. I, yeah. I'd, I'd been on the other side of it as a as an advisor to a committee in the past, but mm. um, yeah, it's a little daunting with the horseshoe of of MPs who were there. Um, sort of staring you down, if you will, and um, grilling you to to varying degrees. But I mean, it's it's a good experience. It was something I enjoyed. It it felt very rushed. It sometimes you can get the sense that these things feel a little a little performative. That it's a bit of a box ticking exercise. But hopefully, they they've taken on board some of the things that. That we talked about some of the things that, that Anoush and Chris raised were were hugely important and I think quite provocative. So I guess when the report comes out, we'll see how uh, how seriously they've taken those points. But it's I mean it's always a, a an interesting experience going to Parliament and being surrounded mm-hmm. by that much history and just that yeah. sense of. Of, of gravitas in the building itself, not so much the the people around you, but the the building. That's yeah, that's not yeah. a slight on on the people on the committee or anything, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, just the building and the the windows overlooking the Thames and just the, yeah, uh, sort of the the pictures of famous people who I don't really know who they are, but on the walls looking down on you, judging you, and yeah, it's yeah. it's quite an experience. Well, you did great, and I mean, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't do it myself. I, I, I go to pieces, I'm sure, but uh, or, or I just get really narked and you know end up, um, yeah, probably disgracing myself by shouting <laughs> at someone. But you did, you did great, and you know, you, you did good work in 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 challenging. You know, there was a few questions that were, you know, rather reverting to type in terms of uh, aping a lot of these borderline primordialist talking points that emanate from the DC Beltway, you know, which uh, um, sell plenty of magazines, you know, but don't really have any basis in reality. So you did well to refute some oh, of those. Thank you. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine yeah. when these, well, these things me, are... Well, you and me both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're not alone in this, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> no, when no, we have no. the opportunity to refute them and to try and shut them down, we must. Yeah, good work. Well, thank you. Thank you. On that somewhat self-congratulatory note, which has left me feeling a little uncomfortable. Um, Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, it's all right. It, it's been a really good year, though. It's a really productive year. And yeah. It's made so by the, the wonderful people around us and the people that have been so kind and generous with their time on podcasts and workshops and conferences and everything. So I guess it's a, a huge thank you from me to, to everyone for just being such such kind, generous people and critically engaged and intellectually curious and that it makes doing all this stuff infinitely easier when you're when you're doing it with people that you respect and like and are sort of inspired by by all the stuff that they're doing so a huge thank you from from me to you eddie and to to everyone else i continue to learn from everyone definitely yeah yeah thanks so on that note 2023, you are done. We have wrapped you up. Mm. Um, moving on to 2024, lots to look forward to, lots more of the same. Um, one thing we didn't touch on is is your wonderful forthcoming edited volume with Francesco Belcastro, which I think we should yes. give a quick shout out for, given that it is 
um, in the works and and to be out at some point soon, I guess. I hope so. Hopefully this year, yeah. But you know how how these things take a little while. We're at the mercy of of you know the final reviewers and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. But that will be looking at questions of multipolarity in the in, in the Middle East. Um, um, so you know, very timely. Um, very I think, much. Uh, so. given, yeah, given uh, what's going on um, more broadly in, in in the world, you know, not just in the region, but in, in terms of this sense at least of a shift towards greater multipolarity in, in, in global politics so yeah hopefully that's going to be timely and, and, and still relevant I, I, I think it will be for <laughs> but for a little while to be honest that seems to be the direction of travel so yeah that'll be coming out um yeah hopefully this year excellent well i look forward to that yeah. very much Thanks. and i look forward to seeing what the the good folks and the mup design team come up with for their uh, cover design for this one yeah, I've already got some ideas, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there's a teaser, if ever I've heard one. But uh, <laughs> on that note, Eddie, a huge thank you for your time just now. As always, it's a pleasure chatting and uh, and going back over over the things we've been doing this past year. I'm looking forward to, to many more this year and, and the years to come. So thank you so yeah. much, and thank you to no, everyone for listening. You. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Until next time. <laughs>